Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to look this morning at the book of Jude, and uh, the book of Jude this morning, and I prayed about which way to go. I preached last Sunday out of the book of Jude, and uh, several messages still that I may uh, plan on going back and preaching in the book of Daniel, and uh, we will finish those as the Lord gives us liberty, but I want to be sensitive this morning to the Holy Spirit, and I want you to pray for me physically and and spiritually that God would help us these next few moments, and if you're able to stand in reverence to the Word of God, we'll look at the book of Jude this morning, and uh, pray that there will be good liberty uh, as we preach this morning. Jude in verse number 14. The Bible says, And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among of them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Verse 16 says, there are, These are murmurs and complainers walking after their own lust, and their mouths speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons and admirations because of advantage. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, then you can be seated. Father, Lord, we bow in your presence this morning. We want to thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for that old-time religion, God, and it's still good enough for us today. And I pray that you'll continue to bless this church for the glory and the honor of God. Speak to everyone's heart, we pray this morning, both member and visitor. May you be glorified, and we'll thank you for it. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to look at verse number 15 this morning, and I want to preach this morning on this subject, on God's pending judgment for the last days. God's pending judgment for the last days. The Bible said in verse number 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds. Amen. And when we think about this text this morning, Jude is writing and certainly he is dealing with that of apostasy and he talks about the army in verse 1 and 2. He talks about the enemies in verse 3 and 4. But he takes the rest of this book here and he talks about the victory. Amen. That is in uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and the people of God. If there's anything that God or that Jude wants us to understand about apostasy, it would be this this morning. He wants us to understand number one, that though apostates may be in the last days, uh, they will not have the final victory. Amen? Apostates may do a good job at luring people aside and the Bible said in 2 Thessalonians in chapter number 3 that in the last days there would come a great falling away and the man of perdition would be revealed and we know that to be the Antichrist but until he comes, the spirit of Antichrist Christ he has been among, is amongst us and has always been amongst us uh, even since the days uh, uh, after our Lord left this world. Amen. And the spirit of Antichrist is is propagated and preached or or is, is uh, promoted should I say uh, through that of apostasy. That is men uh, turning away from the truth. Amen. And an apostate will suffer eternally while a backslider will suffer physically. Amen. I believe a saved person cannot fall into apostasy uh, they can, or become an apostate. They can be led away into apostasy but they cannot become an apostate because uh, uh, they have the spirit of truth that is living in them. You see a backslider may follow uh, some false uh, uh, some false teaching or some false doctrine. I'm not necessarily talking about a false religion uh, but there is apostasy even in uh, our churches even in the day that we're living in and people may get over into some false doctrine 
an amen. But an apostate is someone that has never known the truth. Uh, uh, they have not received the truth. They have rejected the truth. Uh, in fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, they take the truth of God and they turn it into a lie. Amen. And listen, Jude is talking about that in verse number 4, how that these certain men crept in unaware. And he says that they turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. And that word lasciviousness simply means uh, uh, no restraints or no moral restraints. Uh, and is that not the day that we're living in when it seems like men uh, are saying there's no difference between what's black and white, uh, that you can do whatever you want to, live as you please, uh, and the grace of God covers it all. Well, let me tell you something about the grace of God. It, the Bible said in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And I'm glad that grace saves us. Amen. But grace don't stop there. Amen. Grace not only saves us, but grace will sanctify us. Amen. Because the next verse says, teaching us, that's the grace of God, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You see, the same grace that saves us uh, is the same grace that will school us uh, and will teach us, not just uh, it does it bring us out of, uh, of a lost condition, but it also uh, teaches us how to live a godly life uh, that is pleasing unto God. Amen? Now, apostates do not teach that, but what about this man in our text by the name of Enoch? We know that Enoch is mentioned three times in the Word of God. He is mentioned in the book of Genesis. He is mentioned in the book of Hebrews. And then he's mentioned here in the book of Jude here. And this Gentile man, uh, the Bible teaches us that in his day, Enoch lived in a very ungodly day. And Jude talks about him here in verse number 14. And he said, Enoch also, notice this phrase here, the seventh from Adam. Amen. Now why did uh, uh, Jude put that little phrase in there? Enoch, the seventh from Adam. The reason he did that was because there was an other, another Enoch that lived before this Enoch. Amen. And you remember Jude just got through talking about the way of Cain, the heir of Balaam, and the gainsaying of Korah. We know that Cain rebelled against the very salvation of God. The heir of Balaam, he rebelled against the sovereignty of God as he hired himself out as a prophet. And then we know that uh, the gainsaying of Korah rebelled against the very service of God. That word gainsaying means uh, to withstand. Uh, and so he withstood the service of God. But you know what the Bible says that Enoch had a, or that Cain had a son and he called his name Enoch and he was an ungodly man. Amen. But he's not talking about the ungodly. He's talking about the seventh from Adam and that's the godly Enoch. Amen. And just as sure as Korah went to hell, this Enoch went to heaven. Amen. As sure as Balaam loved gold, this Enoch loved God. Amen. As sure as Cain went his own way and he went the way of Cain, we know that this Enoch went the right way. He went the way of salvation. He followed the true God. So what is Jude doing? He is drawing some lines in the sand and he's saying in an ungodly day, even in a day of apostasy in the book of Genesis, he said there was a godly witness, a godly example that preached the truth when there was so much error going on. Amen. And so that proves this. From Genesis all the way to Revelations, you can mark it down. No matter how much apostasy may grow, God will always have a witness. He will always have a word. He will always have a man that will preach the truth.
truth of God's word. Amen. So what did Enoch preach? We find in this text here that Enoch preached, the Bible says, he prophesied saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. Now what about that in Genesis chapter 4? We know uh, that Cain walked the way of this world, but Enoch walked with God, and as Enoch walked with God, he had a message, amen? And every man that walks with God has a message. I believe God's men that walk with him will have a message. And so Enoch is preaching this message, and this is not a message of, uh, of prosperity. This is not a message of peace. Uh, it's not a health and wealth gospel, but what Enoch is preaching uh, is that the Lord is coming with 10,000, of his saints and friend that's a reality amen it's not the rapture but it is the revelation of Christ when he comes back to this earth he will come with ten thousands of ten thousands of his saints and the Bible says to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds amen I'm preaching this morning on God's pending judgment in the last days. You see, this world is under judgment. Sinners are under judgment. We cannot preach the salvation and grace of God without talking about the wrath and the, and, the, and the judgment of God. Amen. The reason I realized that I needed to be saved was because somebody told me I was lost. Amen. The reason I realized uh, that I needed God's mercy was because I realized I was under God's wrath. Amen. And a gospel that does not present uh, the full gospel is not the truth of the gospel. Amen. The gospel is the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ uh, but why did he come why did he die why was he buried and why did he rise rise again because he knew that man could not save himself uh, and man was under the judgment of God and so man needed a savior what did man need a savior from he needed a savior from God's wrath and God's judgment because God cannot look upon sin and man willfully chose to sin and his sin nature will send him unto an eternal destination separate uh, from God himself but God in his mercy and in his love he so loved the world enough that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life when man messed his life up and when man uh, went another way God in love and mercy rather than put man in hell uh, God made another way so that man could not would not have to go to hell but man could go to heaven. Friend, that's mercy. That's grace. That's love. That God would not only give us a second chance but a third chance and a fourth chance and on and on and on that God would allow sinful man to pierce his only begotten son to an old rugged cross and let him shed his life's blood so that man could be saved. Amen. Friend, thank God for the gospel this morning. And when we think about that today, here in this verse of scripture, Jude mentions the word ungodly four times. And as he thinks about this judgment that is to come, these words ungodly represent not just the ungodly, but the judgment that the ungodly will face. The Bible tells us here that this judgment is going to be a personal judgment. 
He said to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. I want you to see this morning that this judgment is going to be personal. That everyone that is not saved will one day stand at the great white throne judgment bar of God and they will give an account of their life. Uh, they will give an account, my friend, of the deeds that they have done. Uh, and we know that the blood will not be applied to those uh, that will be at the great white throne judgment and they will be cast, my friend, into the lake of fire which burneth with fire and with brimstone. You may be here this morning and say, preacher, I've never been saved. Is that me? Well, if you don't get saved, that will beat you. Amen? The Bible says now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And friend, you must be saved. If you're here this morning and you're lost, it's now or never. It's turn or burn. If you don't get saved, you will surely die without God and go to hell. I'm simply saying God's judgment is personal this morning. And then God's judgment is universal. Notice how many times in that verse the Bible uses the word all. Brother, can I tell you this morning? The word of God is clear about God's judgment for the saved and for the lost. We that are saved, the Bible says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Those that are here this morning that are lost, you will not escape God's eternal judgment. It will be universal. The Bible said in Revelation chapter number 20, John said, And I saw a great white throne, and he that sat upon him, notice this, from whose face the heaven and the earth fled away, and there was found no place for them. There's going to be no place to hide. There's going to be, you know, people can come to church nowadays and they can hide in the midst. They can look like everybody else. They can dress like everybody else uh, and they can just kindly of hide in the crowd. When that invitation is given, I've literally seen sinners uh, uh, kindly stand behind somebody uh, thinking, well, if I'm behind this person, well, then maybe the preacher won't see me. Friend, it doesn't matter if I see you or not. The Bible said the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Uh, behold, and the evil and the good. Understand this morning uh, that if you do not get saved, uh, there's coming a time uh, when you will not be able to run. You will not be able to hide. Uh, you will have to face God by yourself for yourself. You know, people use excuses a lot of times about church, don't they? They'll say things like, well, I'm not going to that church because of all them hypocrites. Or they'll say things like, well, I really don't need church to, uh, to go to heaven. No, but I'm going to tell you, if you're going to heaven, you will want church. Amen. Or they'll say things like this. Uh, uh, they'll say, well, you know, I don't want to go down there because there's all them judgmental people down there. Really what they're saying is they don't want to be where God's presence is. Friend, those are nothing more than excuses that man has used down through time. People will plan, say, well, I went to church one time and I was mistreated. And I don't doubt that some people were mistreated, but a lot of times that's nothing more than an excuse to stay at the house uh, because they don't want to face their sin, friend. But I'm telling you, if you're here this morning and you're lost without God, there's coming a time when you will stand before God all by yourself and you will face God. And if you've not been born again, you will still give an account of the life you have lived, the opportunities you have had, and and whether or not you have received Christ as your personal Lord 
and Savior this morning. Do you know him today? Do you know that you're saved? If you died this morning, is heaven your eternal home? And if you say that you're saved, what are you basing your salvation on? I remember visiting a lady several years ago, and the Lord woke me up one Sunday morning and said, I want you to go to the hospital. And I called somebody from the church and I said, I probably won't make it to Sunday school, but I'll be there by 11 o'clock. I've got to go to the hospital and, and see someone. And I remember this lady was, was near death. And I went there and I talked to her and I, I asked her, I said, ma'am, I said, I, the Lord just spoke to my heart this morning about visiting with you. And I said, if you died today, do you know where that you would go? And she said, oh, I would go to heaven. I said, well, have you ever been saved? And she said, yes, I've been saved. I said, could you tell me about when you got saved? She was laying in the burn unit there at Erlanger. And uh, she began to tell me about when she got saved. And Brother Jack, it didn't have anything to do with the cross. It didn't have anything to do with being born again. And I let her tell me the whole story. When she got through, I said, well, ma'am, I said, I have no problem believing that you believe that. But I said, can I tell you, that's not how you go to heaven. I said, I want to tell you how to go to heaven, not what I say, but I want to take the word of God. She was laying there and in such a physical condition, she couldn't see the Bible or anything. And so I just began to quote scripture to her and take her down the Romans road and tell her what the, the word of God says about being born again. And when I got through, I said, now let me ask you a question. I said, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever done that in your life? And she said, I've never done that. And that morning she asked the Lord to save her. Laying flat on her back there in the burn eunuch with close to the uh, to death's door, and that I came on to church that morning, and by that afternoon, before church uh, the time that afternoon, she had already made the crossing and went out into eternity. And see, if she would have died, she would have died believing she was saved. She would have died believing she was going to heaven. Friend, faith is a wonderful thing, but faith in the wrong thing will not take you to heaven. Amen. Faith in Buddha, faith in Mohammed, faith in some kind of false religion or some occult will not take you to heaven. There's no doubt they believe what they believe every bit as much as you and I believe it. But the difference between us and them is we have the truth. Amen. We have a copy of what God said. I'm not basing my salvation on my feelings. I'm not basing it on my experience. I thank God for them. But that's not what I'm trusting to get me to heaven. I'm trusting, my friend, what God said in that book. Amen. I'm not even trusting what I can remember and what I cannot remember because our memory will fade the older we get. But I'm telling you, if the day comes that I can't even remember when I got saved, I'm glad I know whom I have believed in and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that great judgment day. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm not the one keeping the record. He's the one keeping the record, friend. And this judgment is personal and this judgment it's universal and if you've never had that experience with God then you need to come now this morning and get born again do you know that you're saved not only is this judgment personal and universal but I see this morning that this judgment is just the Bible makes it clear in verse number 15 that the ones that he will execute judgment upon are the ungodly to convince them of their ungodly deeds that they have committed, of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Remember this, everyone that has ever cursed the name of God will give an account of that. Everyone that has ever used his name in vain will one day face the judgment bar of God. 
The name of the Lord Jesus Christ is a very holy name. Isn't that right? When you think about his name this morning and who he is and what it represents and how holy it is, not just to us, but how holy it is to God, God is a just God. And there will not be a stone that will not be unturned at that judgment day. My friend, those that have rebelled and those that have used his name and used hell as a byword uh, and thought it nothing and thought there's no price to pay down here, there will be over yonder. Amen? Because God is a just God. He will not let sin go unpunished. Uh, You say, well, preacher, uh, why would he punish man? Friend, he punished his own son on the cross uh, so that my sin and your sin, the penalty was paid. And all you have to do is accept that and you can be just in the eyes of God. You can be justified through the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, But if you trample the blood of Christ, uh, one day you'll find out that God's judgment, it will be just on that day. You know, we live in a land of lawlessness in a time when people commit crimes and sins and if they've got enough money and they know enough people or they have enough power they're set free there are people that judges have put under the jail and others have come along and because of who they were, maybe they were someone famous, maybe they were someone that had political power, someone that had, had money or this or that, whatever it be, uh, but they bought the judge off, they paid the judge off, uh, maybe they had some kind of power, they pressured that judge into making a, uh, making a decision on that judgment bench that was not lawful, but yet he did it for his own personal interest or maybe political interest, I don't know, uh, but I will tell you something, you're not going to buy this judge off, Amen. You're not going to pay the judge of eternity off, friend. When you stand before God, you're not going to bargain your way with God. You're not going to talk your way into heaven's portals. Uh, uh, There was an old song that came out several years ago that said, me and Jesus have got our own thing going. Well, listen, the world may sing that song, and that may sound good to the world, but Jesus doesn't have his own thing going with anybody unless they've been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, The Bible said the Father has committed all judgment unto the Son and that judgment's going to be a holy judgment, it's going to be a righteous judgment, it's going to be a just judgment and friend it's not going to matter if it's a king or if it's a banker or if it's a beggar or if it's a sport athlete or if it's somebody out of Hollywood, it won't matter how much the world chanted your name my friend God is going to give the due judgment and the due reward to every man woman, boy and girl If I was here this morning, I was lost. I'll tell you what I'd do. I would escape God's wrath and God's judgment. I'd come to this old-fashioned altar, and I'd find mercy. You see, the same hand that rolled the water back for Israel and delivered them is the same hand that rolled it forward and drowned Pharaoh's army. Friend, what matters is which side of God's hand you're on this morning. You can be on his side in this life. You can be on his side of mercy and grace or you can wait till eternity and be on his hand of judgment. He'll be your savior in this life, but he will be our judge in the next life. And I'd much rather him be my savior and my Lord when I stand at that judgment bar. You say, preacher, when you stand before God, are you gonna have anything to brag about? None whatsoever. I'll not have anything to boast him. I'll not have any accolades. I'll not have anything that I can offer before him, but there is one good thing. I do know the judge, amen? And I've been washed in the 
judge's blood. My name's been written in his book. And though I'm not worthy, thank God I can stand there before the judgment bar and know, my friend, that I know the judge and the judge knows me. And thank God there's going to be mercy and there's going to be grace. But that judgment is going to be just. What about you this morning? If you died right now in the condition you're in, how would you face God? How would you face Him? So you can run, but you can't hide. It's not time, friend, to turn a deaf ear toward God. It's time to listen. He's not going to storm the door of your heart. He's not going to arrest your soul. And I'm going to tell you what He's going to do. With a still, small voice, He's going to knock. And He's going to give you an invitation to come and to be saved. That's what this is this morning. They sung that song about the altar and it got me to thinking. I'm glad we got an altar in this church. I'm not critical of others that don't have one, but me personally, I just like an altar in a church. I know that you can make an altar over here and you can make an altar in the middle of the aisle for that matter. But I like to have an altar in a church personally because when a sinner comes in, they know what that place is. They know that that's a place where they can meet with God. And I wonder this morning, God's judgment is just, but it's known, friend. He wrote it down in that book right there. And there's not a person under the sound of my voice this morning that's going to be able to walk out them doors and say, I don't know about God's judgment. There's not a person here this morning that you'll be able to stand before God and look at Him one day and say, Lord, I didn't know. There's going to be people that never heard the gospel. There's going to be people that never saw a tract. They never saw a Bible. They never attended one church service. They never saw a missionary. They lived on this earth and they died without ever having the gospel to their doorstep. Isn't that a tragedy this morning? That's why we give to missions. That's why we give. It's so that others can hear. But everybody here this morning, you know, you've heard. What will you do with Jesus this morning? What will you do in this invitation? I wonder why we stand, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and Christians are praying. Would you pray with me, child of God? Would you pray for sinners this morning? Pray for them to be saved. And this morning, if you're here, and you're under the sound of my voice, and you're not saved, you don't know Christ as your Savior, why don't you come this morning? You've got to drop, you've got to drop your religious pride and self-pride this morning, but humble yourself. If you'll come to Christ this morning and kneel in this old-fashioned altar and say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I deserve to go to hell. But I believe Jesus died for me and I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And I'm trusting what Christ did on the cross to save me. If you'll pray that, God will save you this morning. I wonder if there's somebody here that just by an uplifted hand and say, Preacher, if I died this morning... That if I died, I wouldn't go to heaven. I wonder if there's somebody here this morning just by an uplifted hand. Would you be so honest just to raise your hand and let me pray for you? Brother Gravely, if I died, I wouldn't go to heaven. I see that hand. Is there another one this morning? Would you be honest about your soul? I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray for you. I see that hand. What about another hand this morning? Do you care about where you're going to spend eternity? Preacher, if I died, maybe there's a teenager. Maybe there's a young person this morning. Preacher, if I died, I don't, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. I see that hand. I want to face another this morning. 
morning. If there's another this morning, Brother Gravely, pray for me this morning. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to face God, face His wrath and His judgment. I want to stand before Him saved, washed in the blood. Is there another this morning? Brother David's going to sing, and while he sings, I, I want to encourage you to come to this altar. If you're here and you're lost, if you'll take that first step, God will help you take the rest. Would you come while he sings this morning? Would you come?